Welcome to the Bless the City Church podcast. This morning, Pastor Jeremy Schwader is preaching on a section of scripture that you may know from memory. Today, we are in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. If you got a Bible this morning, go to John, chapter 3. The next several weeks, we're going to be doing... Um, I felt like we were supposed to focus on a couple things, and one was this. Uh, I just felt this phrase, famous words. And, and if anybody knows anything in the Bible, you probably know John three, sixteen. You love that verse? I love that verse too. And if you know it, can you quote it with me? I bet you can. Ready? For God so loved. Nice work. You did good. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This verse, it shows us the danger, God's design, what he has for us, and the destiny that he has for us. Um, God, I just pray this morning let your word be a light to our feet, a lamp to our step. God, we pray that you would open up this verse. I pray that this familiar verse, you would blow our minds with what you have for us. Thank you, God, that there's power in the word of God to transform us. And we just say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. We want, to, we want you to speak to us. We say to anything else that would compete for our attention, spiritual or natural, we just say, be quiet in Jesus' name. We pray right now that you, Holy Spirit, would take the dominant place in this service, that nothing else would compete for your attention. We don't come to hear a guy talk. We come to hear from you. So we pray, God, that you would speak to us. Now, everyone said, amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I think the first thing that I notice when I read that verse is not perish. Got a story for you. Mr. Johnson left home in Fargo, South Dakota for a business trip to Miami, Florida. He told his wife that when he arrived at 3 a.m. the next morning, he would send her a text letting her know that he had arrived safely. Having just purchased a new phone, he didn't have his wife's phone number saved, but knowing it from memory, he typed it in. Unfortunately, he mistyped the number and sent it to a completely different person, a certain person named Rebecca Taylor a pastor's wife whose husband had just died the previous week. When she read the text, Rebecca fainted to the floor. Here's what the text read. Hi, honey. I just checked in. It sure is hot down here. <laughs> just wanted to let you know that everything is ready for your arrival tomorrow. Oh. I thought that was fun. Should not perish. The shocker in what Jesus is saying is that unless God loves the world, we perish. Everyone, no exceptions. John 3, 18 says this, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he that does not believe in the name, he did not believe in the name of his only son. Now think about this. The world, I, I would say like this, the world is a lot like the Titanic. And here's what I mean by that. We're on this boat. It's sinking. It's a really nice boat. Um, great things going on, but there is water being taken on. There is, there is this space where things are not lasting. Things are not in a secure space. Jesus is like the lifeboat. 
He comes over and he says, believe in me, jump in my boat, rely on me. To stay on the Titanic would be to remain on a sinking ship. God extends his hand to us, but the choice to accept it and get into his boat is ours. Now, the religious people of this world would say this, you have to make your way to heaven. You have to work hard, do the right things, and you might just make it. The humanists would say, you're fine as you are, but hey, look at us, guys. Are we? To perish is to stay on a sinking ship. And that sinking ship is called my ways, my plan, my design. Someday my time is going to end, and then God's judgment is going to come. John 5, 28 and 29 says this, don't marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are dead will hear the vo- his voice and come out. Those who have good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of the judgment. I'm in the middle of this book right now called Imagine Heaven. And um, do we have the, Isley, do we have the slides on there? Um, this book called Imagine Heaven, and it's super interesting. This guy named John Burke wrote this book on near-death experiences. And so here's how the whole thing is. He actually went, and they had doctors, psychologists, all these different people record all these people and, and their near-death experiences. By that meaning, they were dead on an operating table, and then different things happened. So there was um, the, the common thing for people with near-death experiences, which actually happens one out of every 25 people in America will have had a near-death experience in their life. Isn't that interesting? One out of every 25. And here's the typical things that happen to somebody when they have a near-death experience. 75% of them will say something along the lines that they see their body from a distance. Another 68% of them say that they saw a tunnel. Another majority of them, I think 80-something, 65% or so, say they see a man in a white robe. They saw relatives or people they have known. And a lot of them, 43%, had a life review. Isn't that interesting? There was one story I read about a guy or a gal, really interesting, blind from birth who had a near-death experience. And she started to recount. She saw her body. She saw friends that she had known. She even mentioned how they walked, what they looked like. These were all things that there's no way that she would have been able to recount because she had never seen in her life. There's no way that she met this, made this up. I think the thing that really grabs me when I th- read this verse, that God would, would have it that none would perish, is the reality is that we are all going to not just exist for this 100 and 110 years, but we're going to actually live for an eternity somewhere. I mean, think about that reality. Is this really something we grapple with, the reality that this is an eternal place that we're going to be stepping into? We have life now, but we're going to be stepping into life later. God wills that none should perish. Another friend of mine, we were having coffee a while ago. He had a whole vision where he actually saw heaven and he actually saw hell, this place of torment, this place of frustration, this place of anxiety. I mean, if this is true, which I think we've all here, a lot of us have bought into the idea that it is true, then the question of eternity is a massive question. Where am I going? What happens after I pass away? But you see, God has a design. And 
How many of you like to build things? Anybody here like to build things? I know my father-in-law is good at building things. Um, Tim's good at building things. When I got married, I had no idea that I was going to take a crash course in um, home improvement. And I remember one of my, this is like burned into my memory, but I remember uh, we bought this futon. And my wife always groans whenever I mention this story because we, we got this futon and came out of the box and I'm looking at the instructions and I am trying so stinking hard to get this futon right. And, and we're spending like three hours, four, I'm like put it together and I have to lift it awkwardly and like put it in and, and, it is, and I put it all together. My wife comes in to encourage me like, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, not now. Don't talk, don't, not now. And I'm like, getting, I'm like getting really mad. And I'm trying not like, hey, you know, like you should be like happy. I'm like, I'm not happy. This is not happy. I finally put it all together after multiple scrapes on the wall and wrecking everything in the room. I put it together. My wife walks in and goes, hey, it looks nice. And I look at it and I put the seat in perfectly upside down. So I had to dismantle the whole thing, tear it apart, put it back together. I've done this with bookshelves. I've done this with gazebos. I have done this with so many things. I actually put together, uh, what was it? We put together a crib the other day, and it came together like beautifully. I didn't, I didn't have to fight the thing. It was, it was amazing. It was like the first time in my life I'm actually growing in the place of like putting things together. But I was thinking about this in the, in the arts to design, is that God has a design for our lives, and sometimes when I'm trying to put my life together, I put it in backwards and sideways, and I scrape the wall, and I put something on, and it's not supposed to be there. I have these 17 extra screws that I don't know what to do with, and I'm living my life doing my best to try, try to follow the instructions, and I'm just messing it up. God never messes up the instructions. He will never fail us. He will never falter. He is happy to help us when it comes to trying to put things together. I am so thankful for a God that regardless of my past, present, or whatever I've done, that he can look at the instructions and goes, oh, you just missed step number six. Let's go back. Go to that step. I'll help you out. God is a God and a God that helps us. Because you ever been like you try to force pieces of your life together and it's not coming together? I think sometimes God just wants us, hey, why don't you go back to the instructions? Take a look. Let me help you. There's a design. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son. Says this in John 1.1. In the beginning was the word, or Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was God in the flesh, and he dwelt among us. We had seen his glory, the glory of the, one son, the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus has always been eternally the Son of God. He's always been there. He'll always be there. And just like God just came down and he deposited himself inside of Mary, and then he took on our flesh. Now, why does this matter? This means that the God that doesn't mess up instructions rose and he came and he lived a life here, 33 years, and he followed the instructions perfectly. For all of us that are missing steps and losing screws and not doing right, he did it perfectly every step of the way. 
That means he understands you. That means he understands me. That means he gets it. He knows our struggles and our turmoils. He knows our weaknesses and our temptations, but he also can do it all through victory. He knows how to win. He never has lost a battle. He knows the weight of this life and he knows how to carry it the distance. For God so loved the world that he gave. John 12, 27 says this. For this purpose I have come to this hour. And when I'm lifted up from the earth, I'm going to draw all people to myself. He said this to show by the, the kind of death that he would die. When I am lifted up on that cross and everyone sees me, I am going to draw so many people to me. God so loved that he gave. What would you give if your wife, your husband, your sister, your brother, your uncle, your aunt, your brother, your sister was kidnapped? How much would you give to see them released? I wonder, and you think about it, God gave himself to rescue us. What would we give? What would we give if we were in his shoes? I um, asked the question, or at least I've asked the question, now if God is so powerful, why can't he just wave his hand do away with sin or every struggle that is there. Why, what is with this deal that we actually have to have a thing of a cross and a death? I mean, is God just a jerk that he sends his son to be crucified? I believe this. God only gave his son because it was the only way. It was the only space. that the, He's the only lifeboat that's not sinking. Everything else doesn't work. He came as God because he's the only one that could be righteous enough to carry, the, to actually carry it through. And he came as man because man had to pay the price for every space of sin, a struggle in this life. The other thing I think is interesting is that if you look at God, people say this, God is love, right? God is love. God is mercy. You know what else God is? God is just. That means that if there's things that are not right and not good, that means God as a just God, as a God that makes all wrong things right, says, hey, every evil's got to be paid for. So we got a conflict. We got a God who loves, who is who's love and is mercy, but he's just. And so therefore he stands and he says, look, the sin, the things that Jeremy has done that are not okay have to be paid for. And however... I will pay the price because Jeremy can't pay it. Isn't that good news? It's really good news. For God so loved the world that he gave. That what? Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Isn't it interesting? God brings salvation he says, I'm going to save you from every wrong thing you've done. I'm going to heal your heart. I'm going to bring you eternal life. But there's a contingent on this belief. There's a contingent on this thing called salvation and knowing God, and that's belief. One of my most favorite things in the world, and this happens multiple times a day when I go home, we have this, our couch, and I'll sit in front of the couch. Isabella, my two-year-old, will jump up on the couch, tentatively go to the edge, stick out her arms, and jump. What? 
She's relying on me. She's trusting me. She's saying my dad's going to catch me. This is what God calls us to do. To get up on all the furniture in our life. To stand on the edge of the unknown where we don't understand. And Jesus looks at us and says, I am trustworthy. You can come to me. But it's going to take you jumping into my arms. A lot of us would say we believe in God. It even says in the book of James, it says that even Satan believes who God is and he shudders. Even the demons believe and they shudder. It's not this intellectual believing that's going to really change a thing. It is an actual trust where we trust and step in with our finances, with our relationships, with our struggles, with our stuff where we've messed up and say, God, here I am. I'm jumping into your arms. That's what belief is. John 3.36 says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Why? Because he's the only one that can bear the weight. He's the only lifeboat not sinking. John 1, 11 and 12 says this, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who do receive him, who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. His own people didn't receive him. And yet, here is Jesus saying, if you will receive me, I will give you eternal life. What does it mean to receive Jesus? I think it means to open our hearts and it will allow him to be our sole satisfaction. To receive him. And when he says things like, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. It's going, okay, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to step into what you're saying. Would you, God, meet me right where I am? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal or everlasting life. Eternal life. That's a crazy concept. Forever. Anyone ever seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Forever. It's kind of like this. Here's your life. Every little notch on here, I'd say, let's say that's about 50 years. Maybe that, that's probably like the longest life. Let's say that's about 120 years. And here's eternity. We're made eternal. Now, I can live in this moment and I can ask myself, what, what am I doing? But the reality is this time that we spend here, this is like our big internship. We're going to spend eternity either with God or apart from God. We're going to spend eternity either growing with God or growing away from God. 
knowing him, the reality of what is eternal is the most important question we could ask ourselves. If this is all I have now, and this is what awaits me, I kind of think this really matters. Where, what happens to you once you reach eternity? I can tell you a few things about eternity. Jesus said this, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes me who sent sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. In other words, this is not about you better clean yourself up, get everything right, fix everything, and then everything's going to be fine. No, it, Jesus says, he who, like my daughter Isabella, jumps into my arms and says, I will rely on you, you get life, not judgment. But the one who doesn't and remains on the sinking ship stays under the wrath of God. Why? Because Jesus is the only one, the only lifeboat available to us. Hey, Nick and Jules, would you guys mind popping up? Eternal life, it's forever. And, and I want to say this. It's not going to be us sitting on a bunch of clouds with harps. We're not sitting there like a bunch of chubby fairies singing songs forever. But God, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Think of everything that you know of that's beautiful. Everything that you know of that's kind. Everything that you know of that's honorably. It all came in the reality of who God is. Think about that, but to the max. Think about something like Mount Rainier or Mount Baker and the awe you feel, but think about that times a billion. This is the space of eternity that we're going to be stepping into. It's also this, it's relational. Jesus said this in John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When we step into reliance, think about this. In Jesus, he gives us everything we need. I really believe that so much of the spaces that we encounter stress and struggle and turmoil and frustration in our life, there is probably a place where we need to come into um, a reliance and a trusting in Jesus in. Man, I, I recognize I fall short so many of the times and I realize that God so wants me. Jeremy, would you just be like your daughter and would you jump into my arms? Would you just turn from your self-reliance and trust me? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet he will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Let me read that one more time. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. We're made for eternity. I just want to ask everybody to, can you just stand on up and I'm actually ask you to actually come on up here with me. We're going to all have a little warm fireplace up here. Just kind of sneak in. Let's all just kind of come forward and 
It says this in Romans. It says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord of your life and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it is by opening and declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. God does not want you to be disgraced. God has no desire for you to step into a place where you have shame on your life, but he wants all shame, all shame to be taken off of your heart and your life. Just read this one more time. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by opening, declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tell us, Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Can we just all say this out loud together? Jesus is Lord. Ready? Jesus is Lord. Jesus, we, um, I want to be like my daughter this morning. And I want to jump into your arms knowing that you're going to catch me. Jesus, if you're Lord, that means you're Lord over every storm. You're Lord over every trial. You're Lord over every place where I've misassembled my life or how I should have done it differently. God, I thank you. And God, we just right now turn to you and we just together say, Jesus is Lord. Can we say that again? Jesus is Lord. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Can we just put our hands out in front of us? Jesus, we just this morning confess your lordship again. Um, Maybe for the first time, maybe for the thousandth time. And I just pray right now, God, for each heart in this room that we wouldn't have just prayed a prayer, but we would step into reliance with you today. We confess that you're Lord, and we just right now believe in our heart. If you can raise yourself from the dead, you can raise us from the dead too. And you can change anything in our life, God. And we just pray right now over every heart in this room. God, I pray that you would bring your resurrection life to us. God, we thank you that you are more than willing to meet us right where we're at. We just come and we trust you. This sermon was preached on October 2nd, 2022. For more content, you can find us on Facebook or at blessthecitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.